We're going to start a new series today on spiritual warfare. I think it's one of the most under-talked about topics in church today. I'm sick and tired of seeing Christians and churches getting picked on and taken out by the devil. I'm sick and tired of seeing people lose their faith and fall into traps and fall into schemes. I'm sick and tired of seeing the enemy have his way in the lives of the people of God. Amen? I want to see us be in a place with the church where we are able to stand on our own two feet spiritually. See the devil for who he is, recognize his schemes, and take him out at a distance so he doesn't have the opportunity to get up close to us and get busy in our lives. Amen? I'm so excited about this series and what God is doing in our church because I believe that God is positioning LifePoint Church to make a huge impact in Douglas County. I believe that God is anointing us and equipping us to make a difference in the world that we live in. Not just in Douglasville, not just in Georgia, not just in the United States, but God is already beginning to open up doors for the long term for us to make an impact in the world. People, God is moving, but I also know when God moves, the devil tries to move too. He tries to frustrate and do his little thing and all that stuff. Hey, look, I jumped out of the gate. I, I, I was... Hoping not to preach too much today because I wanted to answer some questions and, and teach a little bit. But guys, I feel a fire in me this morning. I feel the presence of God in this place today. I believe that he's stirring, that he's moving, and that he is... How many of y'all would say, how many of y'all would say, just a random question, that over the last, I don't know, the last four or five weeks, give or take, that you have felt like in your life personally, you have been under some kind of spiritual attack from the enemy. How many of y'all would say that? I'm watching hands go up all over this place. And I know, I know that that was probably going to happen because he's been picking on me a little bit too. And you want to know why? Because we are making a difference as a church body. Okay, We are making a difference in the lives of people. God is using us to impact this community. And I love it because when we get picked on by the enemy, that's a spot I want to be in because he doesn't pick on people that aren't making trouble for him. Right? So can we give God praise for just a little bit this morning? Can we praise him for what he's doing in our lives? Can we praise him for what he's doing in the church? You know what? If the enemy wants to pick on us, that means we're doing something right. That means we're doing something right. So we, we were praying because we felt like some stuff was shifting kind of spiritually in the church. Now, look, if you don't have a church background, and you, you might be here and you don't know much about God, and if I say God, that doesn't mean anything more to you than pepperoni pizza, okay? then me talking about spiritual dynamics and the workings of spiritual warfare probably sounds like a sci-fi movie to you right now. You know, we might as well be talking about Star Wars and using the force and come to the dark side and stuff like that. You know, it makes no difference to you. Um, hopefully, before the end of the day, though, you'll have a little bit more understanding of spiritual warfare, what it is, and how it plays out in our lives. Um, we, uh, we felt things moving and shifting, and we thought, you know what? It would probably be wise for us to spend a good four or five, maybe even six weeks, digging into what spiritual warfare is, who our enemy is, schemes and tactics and things that he tries to throw against us, and, 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 and all the traps that he tries to set so that we can be equipped as a church to just treat it as kind of a speed bump as we go on doing what God has called us to do. 
rather than it being a detour that takes us off track. Amen? So that's what we're going to be doing. Now, when you, when you talk about spiritual warfare, and you dig into this, C.S. Lewis had what I thought was a great quote. He said, the issue with spiritual warfare is that people respond in one of two ways. One, either they become completely obsessed with it and they dive in too deep, or they don't take it serious enough and they find themselves falling victim to the enemy schemes. And I think that's where a lot of churches and, and sometimes a lot of Christians fall into those categories where sometimes, you know, we don't take it serious enough and you see the enemy just wreaking havoc in people's lives. And then some people, I, I know y'all probably seen it in church, that some people just take things, they're just, they, they, you ever see people that are just like a little too spiritual? You know, can we just talk about that in church for a little bit? Now, like, Christians are, are really bad about going off the deep end with stuff. And y'all have seen, like, that weird person who's just way out there. Like, spiritually, they were flying their kite, and they just started drifting way off into left field, you know? And I'm sure they love God, and they've got great motives. And I'm not downplaying um, spiritual sensitivity or spirituality in your life. But some people, man, they just went too far down the rabbit hole too far down the rabbit hole. Like, I was at a conference. Well, I'll give you all some examples, <laughs> me personally, that I've seen. Because I know nobody's ever seen anybody who's over-spiritual in church, right? Nobody. Have you ever seen that? You've seen somebody just way too spiritual, way too spiritual. If you haven't seen somebody that was just, like, over-saved or way too spiritual, you're probably that person. Okay? <laughs> just being honest with you, that's probably you. Like, if you don't see them anywhere... Probably, but we were at a conference one time, and I promise you, me and my friends were walking along the side of a parking lot, and we were fixing to go into this huge arena for this big Christian conference to hear this guy speak, and there were protesters out there protesting this guy, you know, and I loved it because I think that anytime you're impacting people and seeing lives change, and you're ticking off religious people, you're in a good spot in your ministry, you know, and so... This guy had people protesting and all this stuff. And we were walking around the edge of this parking lot, fixing to go in, and this guy just walked up out of the woods. Straight out of the woods. Hey, what's going on? So we thought, we'll be friendly to this guy. Hey, are you going to the conference? No. And then this guy started speaking fluent King James English. Like fluent King James so did you did you ride here anywhere? Ride? No, I did not ride. You didn't come in a car. Car? I do not see that word in the Holy Script. I see the word chariot. Okay. And and he used all the these and thines and the thithers and all of this stuff. Like he was just flowing. Like I, if I practiced for six months, I couldn't speak it like this guy was speaking it. He was just weird. It's just weird. Um. And talking about spiritual warfare stuff, I was I grew up <laughs> I grew up in a church with a bunch of awesome people who were going there for a while. But this one lady had this dream. And in this dream, she saw Mr. Clean. Okay, like the cleaning product. Mr. Clean, ball headed, you know. So she saw Mr. Clean in her dream, and in her dream she got a bad vibe off of Mr. Clean. So she woke up, and she was convinced that God was telling her that Mr. Clean was a demon. 
And so she was telling all the women in the church, I think Mr. Clean's a demon. The Lord showed me in a dream. Probably she just ate too much pizza before she went to sleep. Have you ever had those dreams that just seemed so real when you were having the dreams? You know, Guys, like, has your wife ever had a dream that just seemed so real to her that she woke up and hit you because she was mad at you for doing something in her dream that you, like, I don't know why you, you did it in my dream. I don't know what you're talking about. It was like that kind of dream. Yeah, so y'all are laughing a little too much at that. That happens way more. Way more than you would think. So, um, so she had this dream. Mr. Clean was a demon. So she got rid of all the Mr. Clean products. No more Mr. Clean in the house. She started talking to the ladies in the church. Most of the women in the church got rid of Mr. Clean. Boycotting Mr. Clean. They went on this prayer aggressive thing where they were, they were like going to each other's houses and anointing the place with oil and praying over the house to cast the the demon of Mr. Clean out of the houses where the women had used the product in their house. That's a little crazy, right? That's kind of way out in left field. And, And sometimes when we talk about spiritual warfare, that's a place a lot of people want to go. Way out into spiritual left field. Listen, that's where we are not going to go as a church. Okay? We are not going to be casting out demons of Mr. Clean or anything crazy like that. Look, I believe that the Word of God is practical. I believe that the Word of God is real. And I believe that it works in everyday life. And I don't think you have to overhype or over-spiritualize or just get way out there in no man's land in order to create some ambiance around this thing to get it to work. I think we can stick pretty close to the book and get this thing to work in our lives without becoming... A whole bunch of demon casting out in people that were just like anytime somebody comes in the foyer, we look at them and say, I think they've got a demon on them. And then eight people run around them and we start trying to pray spirits out of people. We're not going to have that in the church over the next few weeks, okay? I want people to feel safe to come here. All right? We're not going to have people jumping around the corners of the church with super soakers full of anointing oil ready to hose people down, you know, or anything like that. I'm kind of making fun of it, but. That's, that's like the direction that's, that some people like to go. I don't want to do that. I want to take a very practical look at spiritual warfare because it is a practical part of Scripture. It's all through Scripture. You can't read the Bible and not see those dyna- dynamics at work. It's, it's spelled out very clearly in Scripture, actually, in some places. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks is just take a really strong look at it, what the Bible has to say about it, and I want to answer as many questions as we can possibly answer from, from the people in the church about spiritual warfare. Because I'm finding that a lot of people have questions that they're not, they haven't really got an, an answer to that satisfied them. And when we put up a little poll on Facebook just a few days ago, man, we got hit with a lot of questions about spiritual warfare. Um, we got hit with a lot of questions on the spiritual world and how things work. And I got a lot of personal messages coming in my, my little Facebook Messenger inbox on spiritual warfare. So we're going to answer as many of those as we can as this series goes on. And if you find that you've got a question that pops into your head as we're doing this, come ask me. And we'll make a note of it. And uh, we'll answer it in the series if we can. Or you can email your questions if they pop in your head to um, info at churchlifepoint.com and we will do our best to answer as many questions as we can as this series goes along, okay? You guys ready for this? I am ready for this. I want today to just answer 
Um, we'll see how far we get in this today. I've got four or five questions I want to answer this morning. I'm not really going to preach so much. It's try to mix preaching and teaching and go over um, just some common questions that people have about spiritual warfare. And the first one is this. What is spiritual warfare? That's a good question, right? That's a good place to start. What in the world is spiritual warfare? What does it look like? What does that mean? How does it play out in my life? Um, Spiritual warfare is an ongoing battle between the forces of good and the forces of evil in a spiritual realm. Okay? It also plays out in the physical realm, which we live in right now. Okay? Now, did that sound weird to anybody in here? No. It's a spiritual dynamic involved in it. There are, there are um, three parties involved in spiritual warfare. You've got the kingdom of God, which is good, and you've got the kingdom of Satan on this earth, which is evil. And then you've got man's ability to choose between the two. Okay? So you've got spiritual good, you've got spiritual evil, and then you've got man literally as, in some ways, our ability and our role in spiritual warfare has a more powerful dynamic to it than what the devil could do on this earth if he tried on his best day. Because we have the ability to bind and to loose. We have the ability to stop or give permission to a lot of things that happen in our lives and in this world. Okay? Um, and so we can find ourselves in a place in our lives where at times we are submitting to and promoting the agenda of one of the two kingdoms. So we can literally become the deciding factor in what happens in the lives of people and in our own lives. Make sense? Spiritual warfare is a big deal. Um, a simple way to say it is that spiritual warfare is a struggle or a battle between good and evil in this world. Good and evil in this world. Now, when I say the words good and evil, in today's society, though, you got to be careful. And I want to spend a little bit of time on this this morning because those can be subjective. Because we live in a society today where we say what's good for you might not be good for me. And what's right for you might not be right for me. And what you think is wrong in your life might not necessarily be wrong for me in my life. How many of y'all have heard that before? Yeah. You hear it all. It's big in our society today. So you have to be able to define what good and evil are. And that's hard in our society because we don't like absolute truth. We don't like set standards. We like to be able to ebb and flow in society. And I'm not saying us in this church, but in society as a whole. We love our opinion. And we love the fact that what we think and what we, how our outlook is on life is right. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what the Bible says. It doesn't matter what the court says. If I feel like I want to do something and it's right for me, I want to be able to do it. That's what the world says. Um, and that's a bad, 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 bad place to be. But I think that we could all agree, though, that there are some things in life and there's some things in the world that most of us would consider good or evil or right or wrong. Like, for instance, um, just take 
the beach, for instance. I would think that the beach is a good place to go. How many of y'all would agree with me? The beach is a great place to go. I just probably messed up a lot of people by showing you this because you are going on vacation in about three weeks, and that's where you're headed, to a place like that. At least you, Wouldn't that be awesome? I love the beach. I wish those footprints were mine. I wish those footprints were mine. It would be awesome. Hey, did you know that uh, the media team is working really, really hard right now, though, so that when we do go to the beach and when we do go on vacation this summer, we're going to be able to have a live stream of the services here at Life Point Church very soon so we can still watch church even if we're not at church. It's cool, right? We're this close to having it done. So when we hit the beach this summer, Life Point Church will be there waiting for us online. It's going to be fun. Hey, by the way, if you, you're going on vacation, don't forget that you can always give online and support the ministries. Of the, I'm not, if I'm a, i got to say that or I'm not a pastor, right? Because we still got lives to touch and people to see impacted by the kingdom of God. Amen? So you can text, give, and give online and uh, still support what's happening in the church. Now, a lot of people like the beach. I like going to the lake. A lot of people would say that this is also pretty good. Um, I like ice cream. Ice cream is good. I don't guess ice cream would be really good, though, if you're trying to go to the beach because you can't have a beach body while you're eating a whole lot of ice cream, right? It kind of train wrecks everything. So I guess you could say that ice cream might be good for some people, but it might be bad for other people who are trying to get the beach body put together. Most people would agree that puppies are good. There's the all. Puppies are always good. I like uh, I like dogs a lot better than I like cats. So for me, I would say that puppies are good, but cats, I would say, are evil. Because <laughs> I hate cats. Like my favorite kind of cat is a dead cat or a cat that belongs to somebody else. Those are my... I just... I don't like them at all. So some people would say that there's evil in the world because of cats. Now, I would say that there's evil in the world because of crazy stuff that's going around on the Internet like this that drives me crazy. How many of y'all have seen this? Yanny or Laurel? How many of y'all have seen this? How many of y'all have tried this? All right, I got to know. I got to know. How many of y'all, when you listen to it, you hear Yanny? Yeah? How many of you, when you listen to it, you hear Laurel? See, I'm a Laurel guy. I listen to it. I hear Laurel. But I played it in the office earlier this week with, uh, with Pastor Kelly and Pastor Jeremy, and all they heard was Yanny over and over. And I was like, y'all don't hear Laurel? No. Are you kidding me? All they heard was Yanny. They thought I was lying. So they called a pastor a liar in the office this week. You're not hearing it. I swear I'm hearing it. So I wanted to settle this once and for all in church. I figure if we're in the house of God, we got the anointing here, God's presence is here, we ought to be able to be on the same page on what we hear, right? We're going to test this theory. We're going to test this theory. Since we're talking about perspective on life all being about interpretation and how you hear and how you receive things, let's, let's see. Um, the media team, why don't you all go ahead and play this, and we're going to see what we hear this morning. Laurel. Laurel. Laurel, 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 Laurel. Okay, 
I got to know. All right, we're in church. How many of y'all heard Laurel? Bunch of us. How many of us heard Yanny? Oh my gosh, how did that even happen? That doesn't even make sense. Can we say, all right, let's look at the pastoral staff. How many of the pastoral staff heard Laurel? I heard Laurel. We got three, four. Uh, Yanny, okay, we're going to go the majority of the people that hear from God. So if you heard Yanny, we're praying for you. We'll, we'll say that. That's crazy, though. Stuff like that. I would call that evil. I would call that evil. Now, they lay two vocal, like two soundtracks on top of each other. So depending on your hearing range, you either hear Laurel or you hear Yanny, depending on what range of hearing that you have. That's crazy. It's crazy, huh? So stuff like that, like I have no peace. I'm like, it's got to be one. It's got to be, it's like that dress. Remember that dress where they had the dress and it was like, you look at it, it's supposed to be one color. Man, I got to pray over stuff like that, guys. I pray over stuff like that. So you've got stuff that would, you know, we're kind of joking a little bit. You say, well, that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of an evil thing. But I think we could all agree, though, we could all agree that the next few things, no matter what your outlook on life is or what you would say would be right for you or wrong for you, we could probably agree on the fact that what happened on September 11th, 2001, was an act of evil. See, that argument starts to break down a little bit when you look at events like this. Thousands of people died, lost their lives because of an evil act of a handful of people. Um, I would definitely say that this next one is evil. When you talk about someone walking into a school and gunning down students, we all remember seeing that on the news. This one just happened last week. Someone walked in with a shotgun and a 38. Okay? The argument starts to break down there. Okay? Well, you can say, well, you just don't know what kind of life that person had. He might have been having a bad day. You know? Screw how he felt. Okay? He went in and gunned down students. That is evil. That is evil. You know? Um, some people will say, yeah, but you've got, to, you've got to take all these things into consideration. And they'll throw up this uh, one argument I've heard is that you have to take in psychological factors. Psychological factors come into play and that evil exists in the world because of psychological issues that people have. And this is what you hear Immediately in the political world, when a shooting like that happens, everybody wants to start attacking guns. And we want to pass laws and legislate stuff to, to promote gun control. But a gun didn't walk in and kill all those people by itself. It had to have someone operating it. You know, you can't legislate morality. You just can't do it. You can never pass enough laws to eradicate all the evil in the world because evil is still going to exist. So get rid of all the guns, they're going to break out knives. Get rid of all the knives, we're going to attack with pots and pans. Get rid of all that stuff, somebody's going to pick up a rock. Get rid of all of that and we're going to attack each other with our hands. You know, because evil 
is in existence in the world. So people say, well, psychologically, there's issues that, that, that will cause that. The problem with that is that if evil was all psychological, then don't you think that by now we would have had a pill that could have eradicated all the evil in the world? My God, there's enough of them out there. There's enough prescription medication for everything. A pill can't knock it all out. I do think there are some psychological factors that do come into play, but you can't say that's the source of all evil. All right? Now, a lot of people would say that sociological factors come into play and that people do evil things because of sociological influences and factors in their lives, like where they come from, the kind of upbringing that they've had. Um, whether they were exposed to money or they grew up poor, what kind of school they went to, all of those things come into factors, what part of the country they were born in or what part of the world they were born in, all these little sociological factors that come into play. And I will say that probably sociological factors do play some part in how people behave and the actions that they take. But you can't say that sociological factors, though, are the source of all evil. Because people from all walks of life and all kinds of demographics do evil things. Rich people do evil things. Poor people do evil things. Ugly people do evil things. Pretty people do evil things. Rich people, poor people, depending on what kind of school they go to, it doesn't matter. It's all over. It's all over. It doesn't matter what color they are, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, magenta, whatever. You can throw it in there. It doesn't matter because it's all over the board. It's systemic. So you can't hang it all on psychological stuff, and you can't hang it all on sociological stuff. I think, and I know from Scripture, that the reason we have evil in this world is because evil is a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual issue, and Scripture bears that out. Um, Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10, going through 12. It's just Paul writing. Look at what, look at what the Bible says. Finally, be strong in the Lord... And in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God. We're going to come back to that in a couple of weeks, and we're going to dig into... You ever hear people talk about putting on the armor of God? But have you ever had questions about how that actually plays out practically in your life? We're going to answer those questions here in, uh, in a couple of weeks coming up. It's going to be a powerful, powerful service, so you're going to want to be here for that. It says, put on the full armor of God, not part of it, but all of it, so that you can take your stand against... The devil's schemes. Now, don't go to the next slide just yet. Go back, go back, go back. Take your stand against the devil's schemes. So right here in Scripture, and and there's other places too, but this is the great example. We know that, one, there is a devil. All right? You'd be surprised at how many people are walking around in churches today. They don't even believe that the devil exists. But you can't read through Scripture and not discover that, I wouldn't think. And the devil is real. Listen, he hates you. He hates your family. He hates your kids. He hates everything about your life. He hates your dogs. He hates your cats. He hates everything associated with you. He hates you, and he wants to take you out. So there is a devil, and he does have schemes. That means that he has tactics, that he has plans, that he is working actively to try to take us out. Now, that's important for us to know because if you're going to fight a war and you're going to come into contact and, and, and have combat with an enemy, you need to know 
what they're about. You need to know what their strategies are. You need to know what they're most likely to do so that you can prepare yourself for the battle that you're about to walk into. Okay? He has schemes. He has tactics. And it's important for us to know that. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be dissecting what the enemy likes to do in our lives. We're going to look at that in just a little bit this morning, too. Um, go, go on to the next. Uh, there we go. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. Dark world. Because spiritually, this world is very dark. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. You know that word struggle? You can read over it real fast and not give the the credit that it's due. That word struggle literally means hand-to-hand mortal combat. Hand-to-hand Mortal Kombat. Now, I know a bunch of you gamers out there right now are wanting to go, Mortal Kombat! I get it. I felt it, too. I wanted to do it, and I just did it, so there. Um, but we're, it's, we're in a serious fight, though. A serious fight. Mortal Kombat. Hand-to-hand combat. What? For? For our lives. For our souls. For the spiritual well-being of the people that we care about. Because the enemy's got schemes that he likes to use to take us out. Y'all have seen them in your lives, right? You never notice how it's real easy to see the enemy working in somebody else's life? But it's really difficult sometimes to realize when he's working in our lives. You know, he, he's really good at what he does. I don't want to give him too much credit, though, but I want to talk for a little bit about the devil and, and his schemes and the kind of stuff that he likes to use against us. But before I talk about the devil, I want to talk about God for a little bit, okay? Can we do that? Because I don't want to give the devil any more credit than he's due. I want to look at some of the attributes of the God that we serve because it's real important to have the proper perspective when we go into this war and know what kind of authority and what kind of position and what kind of strength we're fighting with and fighting from. Amen? So let's look at some of these attributes that God has. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, and he's everywhere. So the fancy words for that are omnipotent or omnipotent omniscient, and omnipresent. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, and he's everywhere. He's all-powerful. That means that there is not one thing that is more powerful than our God. Not one thing, not one scheme, not one tactic, not one thing that we face. God rules supreme, sovereign. He is the man. He's got the big guns. He's got the big muscles, all right? He's all-knowing. That means God knows everything there is to know about us, about the details of our lives, the details of our heart. And he's everywhere. He's everywhere. You can't go anywhere where you can't stop and feel the presence of God. Praise God for that. At work at 5 o'clock, when you've had the day of days and your boss just got through chewing you out, you can... Go out in the parking lot and sit in that car and say, Father, I thank you in spite of a rough day and immediately feel the presence of God. Just like that. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. Now, the devil, on the other hand, is not any of these things. He's not all-powerful. Satan is a created being, created by God. 
What did God create Satan for? What was his purpose? What was his role? That's a question we're going to answer next week. So you want to be here for that. But he's a created being who does not have all the power. Now, does, it, does Satan have power? Oh, absolutely. And to be honest, he, has actually, he actually has quite a lot of power. He has quite a lot of power. There's a lot of things that he can do. One person asked me, um, one person asked um, on our Facebook thing, can Satan control the weather or control elements and use them to attack us? Whew, I thought that was a great question. Who knows the answer to that? Can Satan do that? Well, I'll tell you what we see in Scripture, okay? What we see in Scripture, and the short answer would be, yeah. Yeah, he can. Um, Job chapter 1, go, go read that. Satan attacked Job, and he used a windstorm. He used fire from heaven. Isn't that crazy? Called down fire. And he also influenced a group of raiders to come in and attack Job's uh, cattle and his servants. So Satan can influence and use a lot of stuff. He's got a lot of stuff at his disposal. And we see in the book of Revelation later on in Scripture, too, that um, the false prophet will be calling down fire from heaven, too. Um, using the power of Satan to do that. So there are some things that the enemy can do. There are some things that the enemy can do. Some of y'all didn't know that, did you? Read your Bible. It's full of all kinds of crazy stuff. Now, with him being able to do that, though, his power is kept in check because in Job, he couldn't have done anything to Job without him first getting permission from God. Okay? Don't, don't, don't hear what I'm saying and misinterpret it. Satan can operate and do some things and attack us in certain ways. God rules sovereign over that, and we walk with all the authority and all the power. If we are Christians and our life submitted to God, we operate in the same authority that Jesus operates in. Okay, so we don't have to worry about any of that stuff. But he can potentially do some stuff to mess us up. Okay? Now, is... Satan all-knowing? Absolutely not. He's not all-knowing. He can't know your thoughts. He can't know your heart. Those things are private between you and God. Okay? But he can get info on what comes out of this right here. Okay? He can pay attention and watch your life and see what's playing out and build a strategy based on that. But he's not all-knowing. He's not all-knowing. So he's very limited in, in, in what he can do and how well he can see our motives and our hearts, and read our minds. And is he everywhere? Can Satan be everywhere? The answer is 100% no. He can't be anywhere. And one person asked me this question, too. They asked, okay, um, is Satan's kingdom set up in hell? And the answer to that is absolutely no. Absolutely no. The Bible says that hell was created for Satan and his demons. Okay? Created there for them to go there as a place of punishment. Now, would you want to go hang out in the place that was created to torture you? No. No. No way. Satan does not operate out of hell. Satan doesn't have a clubhouse set up in hell. All right? And by the way, hell is not an eternal or permanent place either. Okay? One day hell is going to end and... Whoever's in hell, including Satan and his demons, are going to be cast into the lake of fire. And that is going to be an eternal place. Hell's a temporary place. So, no, he doesn't set up in hell. He sets up shop on this earth. On this earth, this is his kingdom. 
Okay? Now, if, if Satan is in North Carolina, he can't be in South Carolina. All right? If Satan is in New York, he's not going to be able to be in, come, the devil's not going to be able to come down to Georgia looking for a soul to steal. All right? If he's in New York, it's just not going to happen. I snuck it in. I snuck it in. You knew it had to happen. So he's, he's, he's not going to do that. He's not going to be able to do that. Now listen, if Satan sets up shop in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, which we all know he frequently goes there, he always goes to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where the University of Alabama is. Listen, their colors are red for a reason. A bunch of devil worshipers over there, I'm just telling you. If he sets up shop in Tuscaloosa, he cannot be in Auburn, Alabama, where the glory of God resides. It just can't happen. Just can't happen. See, a bunch of you Georgia fans were like, yes, that's awesome, until he said the Auburn thing. Then you were like, no, no. Georgia's got red in their colors, too. I'm not saying anything to that, but that could be influenced by the enemy. I'm just saying. But he can't be everywhere. He can't be everywhere. He's only at specific places. This is why a lot of you hear people say, the devil's just attacking me. The devil's just attacking me. The devil's just attacking me. I don't think the devil could geologically get to all the places to attack all the people that are claiming that he is personally attacking. You know, a lot of times we say the enemy's attacking us when the truth is we just made bad decisions and we're just reaping a harvest of stupid in our life sometimes. Can I say stupid in church? Yes. You know, look. If you got on the gas and you did 120 down I-20 and the cops pulled you over, that's not the devil attacking you. That's Mr. Policeman doing what he's supposed to do. Amen? All right, you did that. If you spent all your money on butter beans, because you love butter beans, and then Thursday comes along and it's time to pay the power bill and you don't have the money to pay the power bill, the enemy's not attacking your finances. You don't spend all your money on butter beans. All right? And you're not going to have electricity in your house. Now, you might have some natural gas, but you're not going to have electricity in your house. You're not going to have electricity in your house. i got to behave. Somebody before service said, Now, Pastor Josh, you've got to behave this morning. There might be guests here. And I said, Okay. I'm sorry. I couldn't behave. I had to sneak that in. Um, but we, a lot of times, create a lot of the problems that we blame on the enemy. Now, I want you to look at, um, we're going to look at Isaiah. You will put that Isaiah 14. This is specifically talking about Satan. Thou you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, now look at all of these I wills that are in yellow here, because this is how the enemy works in our lives, okay? You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned in the mount of the assembly on the mount of the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend over the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. You are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. Always be careful around people that use a lot of personal pronouns when they talk. I, 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 me, me, me. I, 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 me, me, me. Be careful around that. Um, What does spiritual warfare look like? We're still answering this question, all right? Spiritual warfare looks a lot like self-will. 
Okay? Now, that doesn't sound super spiritual, but it's very practical. Very practical. Why? Because any time you see somebody who suddenly becomes all about themselves, it's impossible for them to be all about God. Okay? You can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. And they are literally taking on the attributes of the kingdom that they are moving into. Someone who is just self-absorbed and focus on themselves all the time have slowly fallen into the trap of slipping over spiritually to the dark side. And they're bearing the fruit of their master because Satan is all about himself. Okay? He likes to promote self-will to trip us up spiritually. Spiritual warfare looks exactly like self-will in our lives. Now this is how it plays out. This is how it plays out. So you've got you've got um, you've got a, a beautiful marriage, okay? Until one or the other spouse becomes incredibly selfish and just demands that the other spouse make it all about them. It's all about them in the house. It's all about them in the bedroom, and they do nothing to serve the other person. Now the enemy is convinced this spouse to spiritually step out of their role, and he has worked through whatever process it was to get them to feel like they needed to do that because he's really good at it. Now he's got a wedge in the marriage, and he has used self-will to attack the marriage. Now there's no unity. Now it's all about them, and the other person eventually is going to say, hey, why is it all about you? got to be all about you all the time. It needs to be about me some too. And here comes a trap for them. And it never, ever works out well. He always uses self-will. One of the biggest tools that he'll use. He uses self-will in church all the time to mess up the move of God in a church. Because what he'll do is He'll, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be involved in a ministry or on a team, and you guys have probably seen this play out. You'll be involved in doing this stuff, and I'm serving. I'm seeing God move. All this great stuff is happening. And then here comes a situation where you go through a stretch where you get a little tired, and then somebody might say something, and it frustrates and it aggravates you. Anytime somebody says something to frustrate or aggravate or hurt you, listen, you always got to stop. And you got to ask yourself, what spirit is in operation here in this moment? Okay? Because you got the kingdom of God, you've got the kingdom of Satan, and then you've got us. And listen, Satan can absolutely use other people to speak stuff into your life, to push trigger points, to create an action or a behavior, to put you in a position where you're outside the will of God so he can have his way with you. That's exactly how he works. And so we begin to say things like, wow, you know what? I just need to take a little bit of time for myself. It's okay to take a break and take time for yourself. I get that. Um, But it's different when you start to implode in this little selfish bubble. And it's a trap he tries to get you. And if he can get you focused on yourself. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying right now? If he can get you to focus on that. Well, I always pour out. I always do this. They don't appreciate me. 
I, 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 me, 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 not how can I serve God? What can I do for God? How can I be a living sacrifice for the kingdom of God? How can I lay down myself? How can I die to myself? Those are the things that people that are close to God begin to say. But people are going off in the wrong direction. You always hear a I, a me, is always I, 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 me, me, me. He always tries to trap you with self-will. Make sense? So that's a big tactic that he tries to use. Um, another one, another way that the enemy operates in our life is, is, is subtle. Um, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11 at verse 14. Oh, this is huge. This is no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. So one of the things Satan tries to do is to trick us into just going for what we already want for ourselves. And then the other thing is, he tries to make what he's presenting look so good that we want to jump into it. Because he is quite content for us to settle for good in our lives so we can miss out on the great that God wants us to have. Okay, I'll say it again. Satan would love for us to settle for good in our lives so that we miss out on the great that God has planned for us. That's what he does. What does that look like? You know what it looks like? It looks like, uh, it looks like the guy at work. That gives you all the attention, ladies. But you know that he's not a Christian. And you know that he's into a whole lot of stuff. But because he gives you attention and he makes you feel a certain way, you end up dating him anyway. And you take the plunge. And you find yourself in situations because you took something good instead of waiting for something great. You made the compromise. And he made it look great. And you end up paying the price for it. What does it look like? It looks like the job opportunity that gives you more money than you ever thought you would make that takes you out of the church and out of the ministry that you're involved in. This is how he works. It's the job opportunity that that takes you away from your family and puts the strain on your marriage and puts the strain on your relationship with your kids. This is how he operates. He'll offer you the good so he can rob the great from you. This is what he does. What else does it look like? Oh, man. Anything, anything that looks amazing that is going to cost you spiritually. This is what the enemy does to get us in the spiritual war that we're in. So you got to be careful. He loves, he loves to operate this way. He loves to operate this way. He, he gives you a great idea. He gives you a great idea where you're trusting God with your finances and doing what God wants you to do financially and you're giving and you're honoring God and then money gets a little tight and here comes a good idea to cut back on the giving so that you can take care of your responsibilities. He'll never present it like, don't trust God, do your own thing. It's always going to be, wow, we can't afford to do this. We need to take care of our self. How about that? That's how he operates. He presents the good to rob you from the great. You miss out on all the blessings that could have been on the other side of it because that's how he operates. Man, we're, we're not even getting out of the first point this morning. I don't think this is how he operates. This is what he does. So let me, let me answer uh, another question that was asked. If this is how he operates and this is what he does and these are the tactics and this is how spiritual, what spiritual warfare is, it's a struggle between the kingdom of darkness and, and the kingdom of God. 
and us and our ability to, achieve, to choose and to operate under one of the two influences, okay? If this is what it's all about, and this is how Satan operates, then the second question it, that, that was asked to me is, okay, then why should I care? Why should I care? That sounds like great theology, Josh, but why should I care? Why should I care? We're in graduation season right now. Families are busy. Why in the world should I show up to church next week? Families are fixing to dive into vacation mode. Why should I commit to show up to hear about spiritual warfare? Why should it make a difference in my life? I get that because we all have to sit through things that we wish that we didn't have to sit through, right? We all have to give our time to things that we wish that we didn't have to give them to. If you've ever been stuck in one of those meetings at work that you knew that could have been taken care of by a memo or an email, but it's costing you 30 minutes of hearing Mr. Can't have any kind of emotion in his voice at all, go on and on and on. Yeah, um, we've all had to sit through stuff like that. Like it's graduation season right now. Me personally, I think graduation should work like this. You show up, they let the people walk, they get their diplomas, everybody goes out and it's done just as soon as possible. You know, cut out the fluff, cut out the speeches and all of that stuff. In a perfect world for Josh, that's how it would operate. Because, listen, who remembers, honestly, who remembers the speech that was given at your graduation? Like some people would, but I, I don't. I don't, I don't remember much about it at all. I just remember that I had some friends that graduated uh, summa cum laude, and I graduated thank the laude, and I just got my diploma, and I got out of there because I didn't do good at all in high school. So why, why should we care about this stuff? I'll give you this one scripture, and then we're going to close this morning. We're going to finish the rest of this stuff next week. Are you all enjoying this so far? All right. Um, John 10.10. John 10, 10. Here's why you should care. Because the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. This is Jesus talking. He says, I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. You know, listen, if you're here and your whole perception of church has been rules and regulations and what other people say you're supposed to do to serve God, that's never his intent. That was never his intent. God wants you to enjoy life and live life to the full. All right? He's not a God of rules and regulations. He's a God of standards, but he's a God of love who wants you to excel in your relationship with him and who he's called you to be. The enemy, on the other hand, he wants to destroy absolutely everything about you. Now, if you knew that tonight somebody was going to show up to your house and break in, and steal all your stuff, wouldn't you get prepared for it? Some of y'all are like, oh, yes, I would. Yes, I would. We live in the South, baby. We got guns everywhere. Some of y'all rednecks have been waiting for that scenario to play out like for 20 years. You've got guns stashed in strategic places all over the house. I ain't lying. I do too. I have guns ready just in case somebody breaks in. You ain't going to steal my TV, baby. You ain't going to do it. I can hear the rednecks talking right now. You can't steal my TV. If you steal my TV, I can't watch NASCAR. And if I can't watch NASCAR, the ratings are going to drop for NASCAR, which is hurting NASCAR, which is like hurting America. And ain't nobody going to hurt America in my house. You know? So you'd be ready. You'd be ready. If I told you somebody was going to try to kill your child... How serious would you take it? 
And some of you mamas, oh, you pop off those high heel shoes and go chase them down in the parking lot if you knew who it was. You know, you do everything you could to stop it. The enemy's agenda is to absolutely wreck and destroy your life. He wants to kill your children. He wants to destroy your marriages. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to rob you of all the joy and peace that you have in your life. He wants to rob you of God's call on your life. And I think that if somebody's out there that wants to do that to me or anybody that I care about or anyone that I love, that's a pretty good reason for me to care about it. So over the next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to dive into this. We're going to look at his tactics. We're going to look at things that we can do. As fathers, on Father's Day, men, listen, you're going to want to be here on Father's Day. Well, golly, I've got such a powerful word for the men in this church on Father's Day. You're going to want to be here for that. We're going to have a great prize to give you and all of that. But you're going to walk out of here feeling challenged and encouraged. Because I'm telling you this, one of the key things that the enemy does to destroy the families is he takes out the father who is supposed to be the spiritual covering and head for the family. Okay, so listen, ladies, help me out. Drag your man to church on Father's Day. All right, it's not sleeping day. It's going to be a powerful, powerful time. This is going to be a powerful series. Um, People have asked me uh, questions like, are there ghosts? We're going to answer that in the next few weeks coming up. Um, Can Christians be demon-possessed? Can demons attack people? Um, There's some good questions. Um, psychics and mediums and things like that. We're going we're gonna to dive into that world a little bit because that, that kind of does come into play. And people have questions about that. We're going to answer a lot of those questions too. But we're, we're going to absolutely equip you over the next few weeks of this series to be able to stand on your own two feet so that when he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, your family doesn't fall victim to what he wants to do in your lives. Amen? Let's stand as we close this morning.